Michael Davis. King Richard, how's it going, man? Going good. Um, biggest uh, biggest week in the South every year. First week of uh, December. I'm not going to lie. I am so pumped. I know everybody else is too. Like I, like I told you the other day, I've run into about five or six different people at gas stations, at work and whatnot. Um, it is time to go. I think this is the most anticipated game in the state of Georgia, including the national championship game, probably in 40 years. Yeah, yeah, I would agree with you. I mean, the the hype and the, it, you know, just the involvement of the fan base and how well the team has played this year. Um, it, we expect great things going into this week, and um, God, I hope they deliver. <laughs> I don't know, but everybody, everybody around here is talking about it, and everybody is clearing their schedule for four o'clock on Saturday. So yep. obviously, what you and I are talking about is uh, the SEC championship game in our uh, home state of Atlanta, uh, Georgia Bulldogs and the Alabama Crimson Tide, and the SEC championship is uh, about as big as it gets in the South any year. But uh, with Georgia ranked number one, um, this one uh, this one's going to be wild. Yeah, absolutely, and just the fact that we've been number one for so long now, we've we've pretty much, you know, by everyone's eye test that has watched college football this year, um, we're undisputed, number one. I mean, there's no other argument to be made um, from beginning to end. There really hasn't been much of a doubt. And like you said, the SEC championship is what it's about. I mean, yeah, the national title game is, you know, what our ultimate goal is. But um, let's be real here. The SEC title game is usually what propels somebody to a national championship. Um, do you do you respect any of these other teams enough, uh, or would you say this is the de facto national championship game? Honestly, I would say this is the de facto national championship game, and I don't mean that as any disrespect to Michigan or Cincinnati. Um, I think we match up pretty well against both of those teams. Um, neither of those teams really do anything that scare me, um, especially Michigan. I, I mean, obviously, we'll talk about this later, obviously, but – um, Michigan is kind of an old school pound the rock, you know, play defense kind of school um, type of team, I should say. And I mean, you just don't run on us. I mean, we've seen it, you know, week in and week out. Our, our front seven is, you know, clearly the strength of our team. Um, you know, we've gotten a little bit of uh, clap back as far as how good our cornerbacks are, how good our secondary is. Um, I'm not, you know, very worried about you know, what's going to happen against Bama. Obviously, this is going to be the best team we've faced all year um, as far as skill position-wise, that wide receiver. By far. Um, yeah, by far. Um, so, you know, this would be a great test for them, but um, I think Alabama presents more challenges to us than what Michigan or Cincinnati or even Oklahoma State would present to us in a national um, semifinal or title game. Now, Mark, Mark Bradley made the case the other day that Kirby's Georgia team is more of a Saban-Alabama team than the Saban team he has right now. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, if you go back 10 years, you know, when Saban first, you know, you know came on board and, you know, changed everything that we know about Alabama football, you know, brought it back to its, you know, its glory days, so to say, um, you know, they won with defense and running the football. And, you know, Saban I himself – I love those teams. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. They were great teams to watch, fun teams to watch. But even Saban has gone on the record, you know, the past couple of years stating that, you know, he felt like there had to be a change in order for Alabama to keep up with the offenses that are, you know, springing up all over the country. And He was, he was right. 
And he was. I mean, it's a completely new game. I mean, Georgia is kind of still a throwback kind of. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I mean we're not spreading the ball out like everyone else is. Not to say that we don't have the skill players to, to do it necessarily. I think we have enough skill players, um, especially when George Pickens is healthy, which, you know, by the way, good to see him back for whatever it was, two or three snaps. But, um, yeah, we, we don't do it that way. I mean, we rely on one of the best defenses I've seen, you know, since I've been born. Um, I'm 36 years old. Obviously, I wasn't watching college football, you know, in my first 10 years of life. But um, this is we like think. anything. We think. It, <laughs> yeah, we think. We'll, we'll find out soon. Because, um, yeah, yeah Jameson, Jameson Williams and Mechie, I mean, you can't say enough about what they've done throughout the year, um, especially with Alabama's offensive line not being what it, what it used to be and its running game not being what it used to be. Um, not to say that they can't run the ball. I mean, they, they've run the ball effectively, you know, at times throughout the year. But Yeah, Robinson has a 1,000 yards. Yeah, exactly. So, I, I mean, they get this – I get this, this, you know, this clap back as well that, you know, they're not – you know, they can't punish people in the trenches anymore. And that's not necessarily the case. I mean, Auburn was kind of a rude awakening. Um, they, they were exposed a little bit up front. <laughs> I mean – and Robinson got hurt towards the tail end of the game, obviously. So we don't even know his status going into Saturday. Right. Um, so, I mean, they may rely on, you know, Bryce and, you know, those receivers even more than they usually do. And, you know, that's if that's scary. the case, yeah, it is scary. And, you know, we'll see if we're up for the task. Um, yeah, I think we are. I think we have, you know, the, the skill positions on defense to, to compete with these guys. But, I mean, the fact of the matter is we haven't really faced anyone quite like this all year. I mean, say what you want about how good the defense has been and how well we've performed week in and week out, you know, but this isn't tech anymore. This isn't Charleston Southern. This isn't Tennessee, you know, in Arkansas. Yeah. We saw what Arkansas did to Alabama, but even then me and you both knew that Jefferson wasn't Jefferson back then. Um, So it's hard to say exactly how we're going to respond, you know, to a team like this. Um, I'm anxious to see it though, for sure. All right, I'm going to throw a ton of stuff at you in this podcast. All right, I'll, I'll try to be ready. All right, you can throw whatever you want at me. All right, so I was reading today that Pro Football Focus put out their all-SEC team. Georgia's defense had five first-team people, <laughs> four second-team people. So nine of our 11 starters <laughs> were on one of the two teams, and the two that weren't, Nolan Smith was third team, and Kelly Ringo was honorable bitching. I was going to say, where did Ringo line up? Because I, I imagine Ringo didn't make it, So, but you already answered that. <laughs> yeah, only because he's a freshman. Yeah. <laughs> but that's uh, that's pretty wild when you look at grades like they do and so forth. Um, so take that however you want. All right, now I want to talk about, and we can get into X's and O's for a minute, but I want to talk about pregame. I want to talk about if I'm the coaches, what I'm going to say in this football game. All right. To me, Saban, this is easy for Saban. They've been an underdog mm-hmm. in one game in the last 12 years. All right, I'm glad you said that because I was going to say it. <laughs> so and get, and guess gonna, what game it was. He's going to walk in the locker room and say, no one believes in us. You're being disrespected. This team hasn't beaten you in 14 years. Uh, I know he doesn't, like to, he doesn't like to talk about the past. He likes to treat each team as its individual things. He might not mention how many times they've whooped Georgia. Mm-hmm. but he's going to talk about how they, we're the defending national champs and they have to knock us off to be the champs. So don't let them. So to me, to me, that's, do you agree that will be Saban's pregame conversation? Yeah, absolutely. hundred percent. 
I mean, this is uncharted territory for Bama. So absolutely, you build upon that rhetoric, that that storyline. He loves being the underdog anyway. Yeah. Um, And he never gets to do it. All right. Now, if I'm smart, uh, I have I have one thing that I know he's going to say, and then I have one thing I would say if I'm him. And I started I texted you this the other day, but I want to I want to harp on it a little bit because I think it's essential for Georgia winning this football game. All right. The first thing that he's going to say, I'm sure, is that ignore the jersey that you're facing, ignore the name on the and you look at who you are and what you've done all year, and you're better than them. This mm-hmm. is just another step on the path of perfection, and y'all go out there and earn and, and take care of this because you're coming in. You're a favorite for a reason. Mm-hmm. Would you agree? Yep, absolutely. All right, just forget that you're playing Alabama. For he's certainly not going to talk about the past because there's nothing good to talk about there. No, absolutely. Right. Now here's what I'm going to say. If I'm Kirby Smart, I'm going to add to this. You know how they tell players don't don't play according to the scoreboard. Don't look at the scoreboard. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go further. I'm going to tell you what I told you the other day. Don't look at the clock. I'm a, I'm a, I want this game to be one of those things. I, I remember Ben Ben Crane won at Torrey Pines one year. I'll give you a golf reference. And he had no idea he won, so he didn't celebrate because not once was he looking at anything all day long. He put mm-hmm. it in his caddy and said, oh, by the way, you won the tournament. I want Kirby to have to tell the team the game's over. <laughs> I like it. I, I really if, do. If you let the clock try to drain out like Auburn tried to the other day, and Bigsby didn't do it right, I agree. They probably win that game if he goes down. But mm-hmm. if you sit there and you're trying to count – and if you're counting outs like the Braves were in the playoffs in the bullpen, you were going to lose to Alabama. Mm-hmm. The only way you beat Alabama is to play every single down. And I will, I mean, if I'm Kirby Smart, I'm throwing everything I have out of him. If he has to fake punt at midfield again, you do it again. You'd be mm-hmm. arrogant enough to say it didn't work the last time. I'm going to do it a second time. Because if you don't, I mean, if you don't throw everything you have at Alabama, if you sense any weakness, Saban's going to tear you apart. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I mean, and not to harp on, you know, what's happened in the past. Obviously, like you said, Kirby's not going to say a word about, you know, the heartbreak that we've had year in and year out and the close calls. But the, the fact of the matter know. is, yeah, the seniors know, they know how fast they can turn on a dime. I mean, right. we've had, we, we've had leads against this team. All I game mean, long. Yeah. I mean, we've been in position to, you know, take care of business and finish it out. And in the blink of an eye, my God, it changes so quickly with this team because Alabama is just, you know, head and shoulders usually above everyone in the country mentally yeah absolutely yeah and it's just you can't take any plays off like you said we we got to beat them every single play every single down and then you're right after 60 minutes then we look up and you know we see how we did you know you might get a trophy yep we might get a really cool trophy because of it and if we play for 60 minutes like we've played all year long you know i like our odds of getting that trophy i do too but but the the second you start like when you Jim Chaney went into a shell in 17 and 18 against them on offense. You can't do that. If mm-hmm. Bennett throw, I want to go down with Bennett throwing four picks. I, I can live with that. Mm-hmm. But I can't live with handing it off on first down and second down and getting to third and 11 and, and being in desperation mode. Yeah, and I don't think You that, can't drain the clock on them. You can't. Yeah, yeah, I think it's important that we not rely on our defense throughout the game. Obviously, we're going to get some, some stops. You know, we're going to get some big plays from our defense. I mean, it's happened all year long, and our, our players are too good not to make these plays. But to, like you said, go into a conservative shell on offense and, you know, hand off and, you know, just, you know, make the safe calls knowing that we're going to pump the ball and get the ball back in a few minutes. 
it, you know, it, it's not going to work all game. I mean, Bama is going to make plays on offense. They, they have got too many. I mean, they've got the Heisman Trophy winner at quarterback. Right. I mean, Bryce Young was that good this year. I mean, say what you want about the Auburn game and how wide open the race was. You know, it was wide open to an extent, but, man, Bryce Young was pretty solid all year round. Yeah, he got it done at the end of that game when he had he to. He did, and, you know, he's going to win the trophy because of that. And, you know, it, I'm not sure even if C.J. Stroud in Ohio State would have won that game against Michigan, I'm still not sure that Bryce Young isn't the Heisman Trophy winner. Um, that's how good of a year he had, in my opinion. No, I agree with you. I agree with you. So I mean, CJ Stroud's got a lot more help than Bryce Young does. He does. He does. So you know, saying all that, I mean, this is you know maybe it's not the same Bama team you know from a few years ago. Maybe their offensive line isn't the same. Um, maybe they're maybe they don't have the most dominant running back you know in the country like they have every single year it seems. But <laughs> Robinson is more than capable if he plays. Those wide receivers are future NFL players without a doubt. I mean, it's it's a scary matchup. I mean, it's going to be unlike anything we've faced all season. And um, I think Kirby knows, you know, that we got to get ready. And that's the, the rhetoric that he's going to get across to our guys is, you know, we got to play 60 minutes. You know, this this won't be a game where, you know, the, the game is over halfway through the third quarter or at halftime like some of these other games are. Um, we're going to have a dogfight in the middle of the fourth quarter, in my opinion. All right, so you're your Bama on offense. George just watched all this tape of some recent games where your offensive line has collapsed on the right side, at least. Everybody but Evan Neal. Mm-hmm. Um, you want to get the ball out quick, obviously, against Georgia. Mm-hmm. So the short passing game and those outside screens they run are going to be essential, I would think, to whatever they want to do, especially if Brian Robinson's hurt. Because because that that deals you the double whammy of not having as good a running back, but you also don't have the pass protector back there at running back either to uh, to pick up blitzes. Yeah, I, I agree completely. Some of those quick uh, bubble screens and just wide receiver screens. I mean, wrapping up is going to be the most important aspect of Saturday night for us. Um, not necessarily scheme wise. I mean, I think we're we're going to be prepared for what they bring to us. Um, as far as, you know, what they bring on a scheme basis. But as far as wrapping up and being where we need to be to get these these wide receivers on the ground, I mean, that's the kind of stuff that, you know, either you're going to do it or you're not going to do it. So um, you're right. It's going to be a huge part of the game, in my opinion, as well. Well, the good thing is they've got two of them in Bolden right now. They don't really have much of a tight end threat, and they don't have four of them like they did when we played them in 18. Mm-hmm. So you're not going to be rotating fresh bodies a lot. They're going to be playing the same guys. Uh, I don't know if if you're Georgia, you got to to me you got to send pressure, uh, no matter what they're doing. I'd be I would be sending extra guys or at least zone blitzing with four or five, um, consistently. I would want Tyndall and Dean with matchups on their offensive line, mm-hmm. but uh, but you also like you said you got to wrap up and you got to have quick guys to deal with their. I think they're going to be I think they're going to be throwing and getting it out as quick as they can. So you're going to have to have got, I mean, do you go, I'd go nickel probably. I don't know if I'd go dime. Yeah. I don't think I would start out with dime either. I, I would see how nickel starts. Uh, I think we'll be fine in nickel. Um, you know, obviously that's to be, to be determined, but I, I think that's how Kirby's going to start. Uh, someone told me if we get pressure with four, it's game over. 
but I think you're gonna have to send people. Yeah, I don't. I don't foresee necessarily getting in there all the time with four. I, I think, like you said, we're gonna have to send a couple of zone blitzes. We're gonna have to, you know, keep them honest. You know, we we can't send four all game and rely on our secondary to stay with these guys for more than three or four seconds. I mean, as good as our back half is, um, you know, it's our front seven that makes us go. So, you know, let's, let's send a few of those guys, you know, let's, let's send a couple, you know, weak side blitzes, a couple of zone blitzes. I mean, let's, let's, let's change it up throughout the game. I mean, that's the only way I think that you're not, you're going to be able to, to knock off a team like this. I mean, you can't show them the same look every time. Yeah, landing landing isn't real tricky to me on the scheme necessarily. Although that shift always seems to, on the D line always seems to affect teams, but he is tricky on he gets matchup favorable matchup speed wise with rushers. That's why Dean has five sacks. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have some linebackers who are fairly adept in coverage. I would say Smith and Walker are pretty good. I mean, Dean obviously is too. Mm-hmm. But for for your college linebackers anyway. Uh, and then Tyndall is probably as good a inside linebacker blitz guy as you'll find in the country. So yeah. you, you have some flexibility on what you can do with the linebacking core, and he tends to do extremely well with that. Uh, I would have Trayvon or Jalen Carter just eating alive the right side of that line. I would, <laughs> I would be shifting Davis over to make the guard and center get occupied and let them go one-on-one with anybody they have at right tackle. Yeah, no, I, think, I agree. I think you're going to be in completely. good shape. Yeah, I agree completely. You shift Davis, you know, <laughs> to the other side, and, you know, you just see what happens. I think it's going to open up some monster holes, you know, for some of those blitzes right up the gap. Um, <laughs> I, I foresee us getting to Bryce pretty often. Um, at least bothering him, you know, whether he's able to escape yeah. you know, like, he, like he normally does right. <laughs> is going to be a different question. Um, I mean, I, I keep harping on it, but, you know, getting Bryce Young down is gonna, not going to be like getting in the, any of the other quarterbacks down like, that we've gotten this year. Um, you know, his ability to extend the play and roll out and, you know, for those wide receivers to yeah. kind of do some impromptu routes um, is pretty special. So, yeah, getting the pressure there is one thing, but you know we we got to finish them off too. See, I think I think I have the tendency, especially with Robinson hurt, to say concede some of the stuff on the ground and make sure you avoid the big play down the field. Uh, but then we did that in seventeen. That's kind of how we played it. But then we wore out because they had the ball the whole game. Mm-hmm. So I don't. I mean. I don't know how you play that. You you don't you don't want Alabama to run ninety plays on you, which they tend to do repeatedly. Yeah, they do. And I mean, maybe this year's a different story. I mean, obviously we're, you know, we're shuffling in you know subs you know as often as as ever, as often as I can remember anyway. Um, you know, so I think we have the ability to stay fresh even if we are on the field. You know, for long stretches. But I like the idea of like you said, giving up some of those those yards on the ground and not giving up those big 40, 50-yard pass plays, only because I'm not sure any team in the country can sustain long drives against us for an entire four, four quarters. I mean, yeah, I mean, they might get us with those first, you know, 15 scripted plays, like Tennessee got us that first drive in Knoxville. But, you know, after that, I mean, you know, we were good to go. Um extended drives just don't happen very often. So I agree with you as far as not allowing any big plays over the top and, 
you know, seeing if they can march down the field, you know, 11, 12 plays, whatever the case may be. Well, Bryce Young is probably, like you said, as good at throwing, moving up in the pocket as probably anybody, and on the run for that matter. But Auburn showed you can get him to the ground. You can. Um, yeah. the, the other thing that Auburn showed was that when he's confused, he's going to let the play clock run down a lot. Mm-hmm. And uh, if you if Georgia has a lot of late movement, I mean, Saban's going to oh, – he's only going to have a certain number of timeouts to bail out <laughs> that situation. And then you're going to have to depend on the ref to actually call the delay a game, which I don't know if it'll happen against Georgia. But Yeah, I, I'm not sure it will either. I mean, there's always at least a, a second's worth of leeway, I swear, in these games. Or five um, seconds if it's out Yeah, exactly. You, you never know. But, yeah, you're right. I mean, let's not forget that Bryce Young's a freshman. I mean, for all the accolades and all the hype around him and the, you know, the <laughs> – the endorsement deals he got, you know, with the with the NIL before That's the season right. even. He's a millionaire. Yeah, he's a he's a college freshman millionaire. I mean, so but as great as he is, as great as he's gonna be, um, he's he's still a freshman. I mean, we have some experience on our side, um, obviously. So you know, you know, we we should be able to confuse him at times. There's no reason we shouldn't be able to. Um, it's just a matter of his athleticism bailing him out at times. All right, I'm going to give you my first of many stats I'm going to throw at you. All right. Uh, Historically, if Bama scores 26 or more points against Georgia, the Georgia Bulldogs are (laughs) 0-23. Really? Wow. (laughs) So, we have beaten them when they scored 25 one time. But uh, that may be a key number, especially for this defense. If this defense gives up 28 to 30, we're probably not going to win the game. Well, I mean, that's good for my – I'll tell you my score prediction later, but um, I've got Alabama scoring less than 26. Okay. Uh, Yeah, I thought that was – I mean, that means nothing in terms of this game, but that goes to show that they score a lot on us often, so we need to put a stop to that. Yeah. Um, All right, on the other side – if you flip the flip the field and Georgia's playing offense, all right, Jamari Sawyer, I have no idea what his status is, but it doesn't sound great. No, uh, they've got a guy named Will Anderson that probably deserves the Heisman <laughs> as much as any much as Bryce Young or anyone else in the country. And let me He's just probably, back up real quick. I would say, if, I would say if we don't the get single best player in the country, sorry, go ahead. No, no, it's okay. I interrupted you, but let me. If we don't get Will Anderson to New York for at least the presentation, whether he wins it or not, it's going to be a crime. Oh, we might get him to New York. We mean the Georgia Bulldogs. <laughs> we may send a plane to get him there by the time this game's over with. So, I, Broderick, Broderick Jones may be the most important single player in this game if he yeah. ends up being on this guy. And Broderick Jones is a future superstar at that position, but he also is a freshman. Yeah. <laughs> it's a lot to ask. But, yeah, Will Anderson, you can't say enough about him. The absolute X factor for that defense. I mean, I mean, he leads the country in sacks and tackles for loss, right? That just goes to show you how often yeah. he is in the backfield just creating he's a, chaos. He's about to run down Derek Thomas's single-season record at Alabama for tackles for loss. Yeah, I was going to say, he, he's inching up on it. I, I read that earlier today, too. So, I mean, you can't say enough about – I mean, without him, I mean, Alabama is not where they are today without no. a question. I mean no. – the rest of that defense is pretty ordinary. Yeah, they really are. Uh, but, okay, so Broderick Jones is going to need help. That means Justin Schaefer is going to be or, – or, and or a tight end is going to be staying in on just about every down. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, and they'll move Anderson to the other side and torture McClendon too, but I'm more worried about Broderick Jones. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I mean, would you try to double team him on every play? I think that would be my plan. Yeah, I think you have to. I mean, if they're going to win this game, if their defense is going to make stops on us, the reason they make stops can't be Will Anderson. We, we can't allow Will Anderson to get three sacks on Saturday. He might we, anyway. We he might anyway. You're right. But, I mean, we can't let it happen. We can't let them get two or three tackles for loss. I mean, it's just it, – they're drive killers. You know, he, he kills drives in, in one play, and, you know, it can't happen. Somebody else is going to have to do it. So, whether that means, you know, keeping in Washington, keeping in Bowers more than we want to, obviously. I mean, Bowers, I mean, he, he does a lot for – I mean, we don't, we don't want him in there blocking, obviously. I mean, he's capable. He's good at it, I think, from what I've seen. Um, but, yeah, we'll have to keep him in more often than we, than we want to or need to um, just so that, you know, we don't get this game turned, you know, on one, on one play, one strip, strip sack, whatever the case may be. Right. Uh, I think you can attack them on the perimeter. Uh, Jordan Battle's really good at safety, but I, there's not any of their corners that scare me. No. Probably the least of any saving team I've ever seen, probably. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, this is by far the, the weakest secondary that I can remember in a long time. Um, points are scored on them in bunches. I mean, we've seen it all year. Um, I don't think it's going to be any different for for us. I mean, I think we've got plenty of speed and skill receivers and, you know, Lad McConkey as well. <laughs> well, the, the good thing from George's perspective is that Bennett has already seen Bama one time, so he knows the speed of the game, what he's going to be facing. Mm-hmm. And I thought Bennett played pretty well last year until things got out of control in the second half. But he, uh, if anything, he, he was too aggressive, which I actually like. Uh, I would have been, I would have been more nervous if he had been scared, but he didn't play scared last year. He played uh hyper. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, abso- absolutely. I mean, he, he, he threw the ball around. He was trying to win the game. I mean, obviously, you know, some of that was a little ill-advised, you know, looking up, looking back on it. Once we um, got behind, yeah. Yeah, but but I mean, yeah. I mean, the first half, I mean, he played as well as you could ever hope for in a situation like that. I mean. And he, and he still missed a few throws. We had more out there we could have gotten. Yeah, so I, the situation is not going to be too big for him, I don't think. I mean, obviously, this is, the S, this is the SEC title game. So, I mean, yeah, it's a little different. But, I mean, that game was in Bama. I mean, that was in pretty hostile territory, so. Um, I don't think Stetson is going to be worried about anything. I mean, I don't think he's worried about – hasn't been worried about a thing all year, um, which is part of the reason I like him so much in this situation. Uh, Stetson has really grown on me throughout the year. Um, and, you know, I'm willing to, you know, follow him into battle, into this game, which is something I never thought I'd say, you know, 10 weeks ago. Um, you know, I figured we would be in this position, but I thought for sure it would be JT Daniels at the helm. Yeah, I agree. I, I think if we win the game, though, he's going to have to be the MVP because no matter what you say about Bama's defense, we're not still not going to run the ball all over them either. We're going to be hard-pressed yeah. to get any more yards than they are on the ground. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree. I mean, this, this game is definitely going to be won through the air, you know, big plays, you know, in the air, you know, a couple of missed tackles on the perimeter like we talked about. Um, but, yeah, it's going to be a quarterback that's the MVP of this game, unless it's Will Anderson. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Our defense is tuned by committee for me to think one guy is going to have enough of an impact to be MVP. Yeah, exactly. Put on a dominating defensive performance. 
Exactly. You can't share the award with, you know, eight guys or whatever the case may be. Although some games it feels like we should. That's what um, I've recommended should happen with the Heisman. <laughs> Give it to our defense and call it a year. Yeah, I'd be fine with that. You can set a precedent for something outrageous. Yeah, we got one more game to prove it, though. We do. We do. We prove it on Saturday. Then, you know, we can talk all we want about getting Jordan Davis, getting the Kobe Dean to New York. I mean, I don't think it'll happen, obviously, but, I mean, that would be the biggest case we could possibly make. No, but I think uh, I think uh, Jordan Davis is probably going to win the Outland. I think Nicobe's going to win the Buckus. Mm-hmm. Devin Lloyd at Utah might get the Buckus, but I think Nicobe probably wins it. Um, so, I mean, there's, they're going to get plenty of awards. Uh, neither one of them are going to win the Heisman. No. It, actually, the Jordan Davis thing's a little bit crazy to me because you have to at least have stats to win the Heisman. He's got two sacks and, like, nine solo tackles. Yeah. Now, I know yeah. how much he means to our defense and how good he is, but that's not going to win you the Heisman. Yeah. Yeah, at the end of the day, yeah, we're, we're, we're fighting the wrong battle here. I, I mean, we're, we're wasting our breath talking about Jordan Davis going to New York. He's not going to New York. He's not finishing in the top five. He'll be lucky to finish in the top ten. But I tell you what, if Stetson Bennett beats Bama and throws for 350 or something, he's going to go to New York. I, I was going to say, I mean, I'm glad you said it, but there should be some some quiet chatter about getting Stetson there if he has a good game on Saturday. Well, I mean, there, there will be if he beats Bama. Bama's the whale. I yeah, mean, it, everybody knows that. You beat Bama, that's when you start achieving all the things that you're capable of achieving. Exactly. And, I mean, who deserves it more after a year like this than Stetson? I mean, he's done everything we could possibly ask and more. Well, Bryce um, Young and Will Anderson do, but other than that. Yeah. <laughs> no, Williams, I'll give you any of those three, but sure. Yeah, exactly. exactly. That, who deserves it more than Stetson Bennett? Exactly. No, I just mean, I want Stetson there. It'd be great just to get him there. Obviously, we all know there's, there's no way in hell he's going to get any anything close to a first-place vote. Um <laughs> I don't know if he if he wears out Bama. I'm not, I haven't ruled anything out, but because I mean, no one's really seized this uh, moment. The only the only way he beats Bryce Young is if Bryce Young throws four picks and he throws four touchdowns. Yeah. It's got to be some uh, dramatic turn of fortune, but uh, I don't think it's out of the. I mean, George, if Georgia romps through the whole schedule, it's going to be hard not to send the quarterback to New York. It it would be. It would be, but at the same time, I mean, it's like you say. I mean, it's the stats at the end of the day. And, yes, Stetson's got some fine stats, but they're not Heisman-level stats at the end of the day. Um, Obviously, if he stomps Alabama and Bryce Young has a terrible, terrible, terrible game, then obviously you can, like you said, go back and look at everything, you know, in totality and, you know, realize that, you know, this quarterback led the number one team in the country all year long. Um, without missing a beat, really. I mean, yeah, he had a, maybe a poor first half against Florida, but besides that, I mean, you're really nitpicking as far as, you know, errors that's, or poor play that Stetson had throughout the year. Night game managed a few games, but that's what we asked him to do. Yeah, exactly, and that's what's going to hold him back. I mean, you know, Heisman Trophy winners aren't usually game managers in any sort. No, and I think uh, I think you're rolling the right track. I think Bryce Young's going to win the Heisman. I think Will Anderson will be like third or something like that. Yeah, I think he deserves to be. Um, although I'm, I'm hearing – I saw the updated odds before I got on this call with you, and uh, Hutchinson from, from Michigan's climbing up the boards. Because more people watch that game than any game yet this year, that Ohio State game. Exactly. I mean, not to say that he hasn't been amazing all year, but I'm not sure, you know – 
the average Joe would know who he was without watching that game on Saturday. Um, but he is getting, you know, his due for the year that he's had. And um, it looks like we'll at least see two defensive players in New York, which is kind of cool. Yeah, well, I I think uh, whatever ratings they got for Ohio State and Michigan are going to be about double for the SEC championship game. So somebody's going oh, yeah. to have a good opportunity to, to, to win it. Yep. Yep, this is the time. If you want to get your name out there and, you know, get on the plane to New York and take part in the festivities, um, this is the game to do it. I mean, every eyeball in the country is going to be watching. I mean, there's so much playoff implications, you know, alone based on this one game. All right, well, before we uh, before we make a pick, this is the Sugar from the Sky podcast. I didn't even introduce this today, but anyway. Um, so I want to talk about Georgia football history for a minute. Because I do believe this is the biggest Georgia game down here, at least around this state, in 40, 40 years. I know it's not bigger in terms of um, importance as the national championship game, but I think people want this one more than they've ever wanted a game. Oh, yeah. Um, all right. So what, what can this team achieve? I was looking at this. I got all kinds of numbers, but I want you to hear this because I want the <laughs> listeners to hear this. This with a win Saturday. This will be the third Georgia team ever to win thirteen games in a season, mm-hmm. two thousand two and two thousand seventeen. But it would be the first Georgia team ever to get to thirteen and zero. The eighty team went twelve and zero. The forty six team went eleven and zero. No, the eighty two team was eleven zero until they lost to Penn State in the championship game. But no one's ever gotten to thirteen and zero. So that's something right now. No matter what they do in the playoff, that's something no one else can take away from this football team. Like I said, trying to be the first, the third Georgia team to finish unbeaten with no ties, 46 and 80. They're already one of only six Georgia teams with 12 wins. And it's the first UGA team to reach the number one ranking in season in 39 years since 1982. So what you're saying is immortality. Well, yeah, immortality in the South, immortality in this state just by winning on Saturday, yes. Yes, so, I mean, you want that, to be that's... immortal nationally, you better do a little bit more. But yeah, if you want to be a historically great Southeastern Conference football team, you beat Bama Saturday. Mm-hmm. Uh, they already, you're going you're gonna to like some of these too, I got a little bit more. The fifth UGA team ever to reach the number one ranking ever in a season. Wow. 1942, 1980, 1982. 2008 for one week. One week. <laughs> and 2021. The first UGA team ever to win eight SEC games in a regular season. We've gone 7-0 and before. We've never since the schedule, since we got it, had to play eight-game schedule, we've never gone undefeated. Only the ninth UGA team ever to go undefeated with no ties in the SEC ever, first since 1982. All right. Now, now I want to get to what we're here for. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <All right. laughs> this would be the fourth UGA team to beat a top ten Alabama team. Man, <laughs> hasn't been done since 1976. I put it, that puts it in perspective right there. Nin- 1942 SEC championship season, 1965, Vince's first uh, huge win as the head coach of Georgia in year two which was pretty – for him, uh, kind of the breakthrough win. And then set with the flea flicker, I, I got to throw in a little plug here. Kirby Moore go, used to go to my church. He was the quarterback on the famous flea flicker that beat Alabama 18-17. All right, yep. 
Uh, he threw the two-point conversion pass for the win, too. <laughs> and then 1976, we shut him out, um, 21 nothing, in route to a SEC championship with Ray Goff and Matt Robinson. So, you know, what are we, what are we at since 1976? That's 45 years now? Yep. Uh, I think you did your math right, yep. <laughs> <laughs> That's how big this game is. Yeah, 45 years of frustration of not beating an Obama team on top of the world. And there's been plenty of Bama teams on top of the world. <laughs> well, well, here's a great stat, too. I had to look this one up, too. UGA against Bear Bryant was 5-12. and 12. <laughs> But 3-9, three, three and nine, we beat him twice when he was in Kentucky. 3-9 and nine at Bama against him. But we beat him in 59, won the SEC championship. Beat him in 65, the flea flicker game. And we beat him in 76 and won the SEC championship. So, Wally Butts got him once and Dooley got him twice. We've mm-hmm. still only beaten Saban twice. We're 2-8 and eight against Saban. <laughs> Rick's got him at LSU and at Bama. Kirby hadn't gotten him yet. But mm-hmm. think about that. We beat Bear Bryant more than we've beaten Nick Saban. <laughs> that is mind-boggling. I, I, would not have, I would not have thought that. No. So, so all right. Georgia, Georgia football littered with uh, uh, tragic endings and uh, failures and, uh, you know, at least that's, that's our perception through the years. That's what the other teams like to say about us. Oh, yeah. All right, so I looked up kind of why we haven't won games like that and, uh, and what's kind of who, – who has been responsible for stopping us. All right, Georgia has almost dominated just about every opponent that's ever played the only the only opponents that have a winning record against us that have played more than six games against us are named Alabama and LSU. <laughs> LSU we're barely below five hundred against, but we're twenty four and forty one or something like that against Alabama. It's pretty ugly. Yeah. All right. So here here are the coaches that have kept UGA from winning numerous national championships. I got this list. You're gonna love this. <laughs> we are two and eight versus Nick Saban. Okay. We're one and five versus Urban Meyer. Yeah, good lord. Seven and sixteen versus Steve Spurrier, including <laughs> one and eleven during the Florida years. Uh, I was gonna say, well, where did we get all those wins? But definitely wasn't at Florida. <laughs> uh, yeah, against the Gamecocks. Yeah. All right, against the fir- the first eight times we played Phil Fulmer, we lost. We're zero and eight in the first eight years, and then we flipped it on him the second half of his career. Like I said, five and twelve against the Bear. Three and nine while he was at Bama, and then we beat Pat Dye his first two years and his last two years. But in between, we went one and seven, <laughs> so we couldn't beat Auburn in the eighties. In the fifties, we were zero and eight against Bobby Dodd between forty nine and fifty six. Tech had an eight in a row streak against us. Oh man! And then Auburn, back when Shug Jordan was coaching, we went two and eleven between nineteen fifty three and nineteen sixty five. <laughs> so we couldn't beat Auburn in the 50s and early 60s. So, I mean, that's where – think about all the championships lost by not being able to beat Jordan, Bobby Dodd, <laughs> Steve Spurrier, <laughs> Phil Fulmer, Nick Saban, or Urban Meyer, uh, or Pat Dye. Those seven coaches are the only coaches that have ever dominated Georgia. I looked at this. I mean, there's not anybody else who ever had records like that against Georgia. And we beat, That's we beat some of those. We beat Pat Dye, like I said, at the beginning and the end. We beat Suge Jordan kind of at the beginning and the end. That was when he was at his peak. We beat Bobby Dodd a good bit at the beginning and the end, but not in the middle. Um, 
we never really got Spurrier. We never really got Meyer. <laughs> we never got Bryant, really. <laughs> and we sure as heck haven't gotten Saban yet. No, we haven't. Are you saying this could be the end for Saban since we might get him on Saturday? <laughs> I'm not saying it's the end. What, what I'm saying, though, and what I'm getting to, um, our, our listeners, I'm sure, would like me to get to a point here. The most <laughs> famous games in the history of Georgia football are the ones that ended uh, nightmare against those coaches I named. The ones mm-hmm. that I can name. The one, the, and if, if you go around the state of Georgia and you ask anybody that's 70 years old or remember Georgia games, 1957, a Macon resident, Theron Sapp, scored the game at Lanier High School, scored the game-winning touchdown against Georgia Tech. We beat them 7 nothing and ended the drought. If you ask anybody in the state of Georgia that's 70 or up, what's the drought? It's when we lost to Bobby Dodd eight straight times. <laughs> 1959, Franz Harkenden threw the game-winning touchdown pass to beat Auburn to end the six-in-a-row streak that Shug Jordan had. Probably the most famous win in the first half century of Sanford Stadium. You and I were at the one time we beat Urban Meyer when we danced in the end zone. Uh, I'll never forget it. Right. You'll never forget it. Never. Um, you know, uh, the one time we beat Spurrier in 97, Kirby had a pick in that game. Robert Edwards went to the house four times. No one that was there will ever forget that one. Mm-hmm. If we beat Nick Saban on Saturday, it's going to be one of those five to ten most memorable games in the history of Georgia football. That's how big this is. Yep, you're right. And, I mean, everything you said, I mean, perfectly puts it in perspective. And I, mean, I don't know just... what happened in the 59 Bama game, but like I said, I know what happened in the 65 and 76 Bama games when we beat Bear Bryant. <laughs> it didn't happen often. I don't even – you know, it's almost cool that it doesn't happen often, but it needs to happen once. It does. It does. Right. And if it doesn't happen now – I mean, when is it ever going to happen? Well, I mean, you look at the recruiting class we have coming in, it might happen three years from now. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I mean, but, you, you truly don't know. But this is a, this is an opportunity. I mean, how many times is Georgia favored by nearly a touchdown against Alabama? Yeah, this is uncharted territory, like you said, for both teams. I mean, uh, you started with the podcast, you know, with this is the first time in how many games or how many years? The only time they've been underdogs is well, the time they came to Sanford Stadium in 15. That's it since the game they beat Tebow in the SEC title game in 09. Okay. So, yeah, they were – I years. think they were – Yeah, 12 years. So, they were a one-point underdog, I think, in that game. <laughs> I think so. One or two, yeah. 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 And what happened in that game? <laughs> we got slaughtered. <laughs> Absolutely slaughtered. So, but, um, but when I looked at the line the other day, I thought six and a half wasn't enough. I didn't think it was enough either. I was well, shocked. No, but but that's why it's six and a half. They haven't even picked against Alabama in 12 years. <laughs> yeah. I, I, exactly. No one knows what to do. No one knows, you know, how do you put a line on this game when you haven't put a line like this in 12 years? I mean, it's such a hard game. I, I mean, it, <laughs> the bookmakers must be going absolutely, you know, wild trying to figure out what's going to happen or how many points to lay. But, no, I, I agree. I thought six and a half was low. You know, I was anticipating maybe eight or nine. We should do a we should do a podcast on whether Saban's an underachiever because he's lost fifteen or so times as the favorite in the last ten years. <laughs> exactly, this he guy's should have only had one loss all these years. Yeah, exactly. I, I mean, he's holding them back to be quite honest. <laughs> <laughs> that's a, that's a, that may be the most insane Nick Saban stat of all of them. Favored favored in every game but one for a dozen years in college yeah. football. Yeah, I couldn't believe it. I, I had to reread it like five different times. I'm like, no, I feel like I wanted to do research just to prove the article wrong. 
Well, I knew <laughs> I knew with the fifteen game when we were favored that ended that streak, but then I didn't know that they continued that streak for six more years after that. Yeah, I, I didn't either. I thought there was maybe some, you know, at least one. I, I mean, thought at Clemson least. was favored over him one time. I couldn't remember. Yeah, yeah, so did I. So I mean, apparently we were both wrong. Obviously, we were both wrong. Um, but yeah, that's wild. I mean, absolutely wild. Just to you know, even put it in even more perspective, you know, just the the giant that we're trying to slay on Saturday. You know what's funny though is everybody around here thinks we are. I don't know uh, if we are, but I think every everybody around here thinks it's going to go Georgia's way this time. So you yeah, know how I, much heartbreak there's going to be if it doesn't. I, I mean, I might cry on Saturday, man. I'm. Not sure. <laughs> I may cry uh, if we win. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I, I want this so bad, you know, for this team, you know, for Kirby. I mean, we haven't even talked about the uh, the record of the assistants versus uh, Nick Saban. Well, you know, Jimbo, Jimbo ended that futility, so there's yeah, hope. Uh, that, that's true. There is hope. But, I mean, you know, Nick Saban makes it a, you know, it, it's a vendetta, you know, it to is. crush these guys. It is. <laughs> How dare you leave? <laughs> yeah. Why, why would you ever go someplace else? I mean, we're, we're going to beat you by 50 now. And you, normally he does. Um, so, yeah, I mean, we'll, we'll see. There, there's so many, so many different storylines you can say about this game. Um, you know, Kirby and Nick are just one of one of them. Um, but I don't know if we're going to win either. I mean, in my heart of hearts, you know, I've seen both teams enough this year to, to feel like we're the better team, um, you know, if from top to bottom. If you're an objective fan, though, and you didn't have a rooting interest in this, you would think Georgia's going to crush them, though, wouldn't you? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I, I would, mean, too. I mean, yeah, just based on what I've seen, I mean, if I had no rooting interest, if I, if I didn't have any – any team that I rooted for, and I just watch college football because I like college football, and, yeah. and I watch and I watch Georgia for twelve games, and and I watched Alabama struggle against Auburn and LSU, and, and even Arkansas, and then lose to A and M. I I mean, what about what you've seen? Thinks makes you think that they're a top two or three team in the country, besides the fact that they have Nick Saban and Alabama tattooed on right. their jersey, right? That's so, why the first thing I say if I'm Kirby is it don't matter who you're playing, just play. Yeah, exactly. I mean, play the team. I mean, play, the, play team. the team. I mean, don't worry about, you know, who they've got. I mean, don't worry about the school they come from. Just just play them. I mean, play them the way that we know how to play them. Play them the way that we've played people all year. And in the end, if we do what we should do, we're the, we're the more talented team, which is something you can usually never say about this game. Um but we are the more talented team, I think, from top to bottom. Um, obviously, they have advantages in some areas. Um, but at the end of the day, from top to bottom, I think we're better. And we should prevail if everything goes correctly. All right. So, having said that, what is your pick? I'm going to go with, I'm going to go with Georgia. And like I said, when you were telling me the, uh, the stat about the 26 points – I'm glad in my head that I have Alabama below 26. I've got Georgia covering barely 31-24. All right. I'll take uh, – I'll take Georgia 30-20. to 20. All right. So, we're in the same ballpark. I just made up that number while we were sitting here. But, that, yeah, <laughs> I, th- I think if they – I think we can hold them to 20. Yeah, I think we absolutely can too. You know, I'm giving them the benefit of the doubt that they're that they might you know bust one big play that 
you know, really maybe turns the tide for a little bit or gets them not necessarily back in the game. No pun intended. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, the tide turns a lot with the tide. It, it really does. I mean, it's you just you can't keep these guys down all game. I mean, Auburn, you know, proved it last week. I mean, that that was a defeated team. Alabama was done in that game. Oh, I yeah. I mean, they were, they were I done. I said they were done. I believe yeah. they were done. Yeah, I didn't even see all of the game. And what I saw was, my God, I, mean, I don't even recognize this team. I mean, they're going down tonight, and this is it. And then, you know, they – you know, give Bryce his due. He rose up and drove him down the field. But uh, yeah, I've got I've got Georgia. You know, hoisting that that big beautiful trophy in Atlanta. When we saw Georgia play Tech the other day, we looked like we were playing at uh, you know spring scrimmage speed. That was the. Was, I want to give you two more stats. That tied 2019 for the largest margin of victory ever against Georgia Tech <laughs> by a Georgia team. That was the first shutout of Tech in 57 years. Oh, my God. By a Georgia team. <laughs> I did not know that. And we looked like we were barely playing. I was going to say, it could have been a lot worse. It could well, have no, been. We a... couldn't have held them to less points, but we could have scored more. Yes. Oh, yeah. yeah. We could have put up 70 if we wanted to. Yes. Um, I just, I've, I've seen Alabama too much, and I've seen Georgia too much. I don't see how Alabama can beat Georgia, unless it's just a voodoo in your head thing that Georgia just can't do it. But we've seen this year the Braves win the World Series, so I believe that we are not cursed. We just need to finish the football game. We didn't do that before. We need to finish the football game. Exactly. Exactly. The, the curse is broken, whether you believed it or not. Yeah, there wasn't a curse. It was <laughs> yeah, just there... our teams not knowing how to finish football games yeah, exactly. or baseball me... games or basketball games or whatever yeah. the heck we're playing. Yeah, exactly. There's no such thing as that. I mean, let's just put it out there. I mean, it's for, funny I mean... to talk about, but it's not true. Exactly. It's fun. We can joke about it. We can throw it out there. Let's just, you know, call it what it is. Our, our teams don't close very often. I thought about um, this. I thought about this the other day. Um, maybe the, maybe it was this morning. I can't remember. But we, we you know, we lost 28 to three to Tom Brady. We blew the lead. Mm-hmm. Tom Brady lost three Super Bowls and he lost four AFC championship games. People beat Tom Brady. The Falcons yeah. could have beaten Tom Brady. They just didn't. People have beaten Nick Saban. He lost mm-hmm. twice to Clemson. He's lost mm-hmm. the SEC championship game to Urban Meyer and Tim Tebow. It's time for Georgia to do it. Yeah. Yeah, this, I mean, this is it. I mean, there's there's, <laughs> there's absolutely no reason that we can't do it this year. I mean, there, there's none. And, and I think our players believe that. I think Kirby believes it more than ever. I think he does, too. Um, I, I really think that we're going in to this game not only knowing we have a chance to win, but knowing we have a chance to really make a statement and beat the living hell out of them for 60 minutes. I, I think that's the goal. I don't think the goal is to get out of Atlanta with the SEC title. Obviously, <laughs> that's either. the goal. That, that's the goal. <laughs> but the goal is to humiliate them on on Saturday. That's the goal I mean, of our fan base, anyway. I hope exactly. the are thinking that way. But I know I mean, we're did, thinking that way. Yeah, I mean, did you hear the leaked audio from the uh, from the Florida game? I did, but I, I don't take much. That's, I'd probably laugh if someone cussed that many times in front of me. It, that, that doesn't do anything for me. Yeah, no, and it, and it doesn't. But, I mean, for those players, I mean, whatever you got to do to get your players up. Yeah, realize, it probably does something for them, but it doesn't do anything for me. Yeah, I mean, whatever you got to do to get your players up and realize that, hey, yeah, yeah, the, the goal is to beat Florida. The goal is to get out of here with another SEC win and get closer to the ultimate goal. But we are absolutely here to stomp them into the ground today. You know, the better leaked audio I don't think you've heard was up here in Georgia where his wife decided to go on the the 960 uh, 
the ref uh, Athens radio station. Oh yeah, I did not hear ago. that. So so his wife does an interview. Russ Tanner, the East Place Center back when we were in college, he was uh, he's on there, and uh, yeah, he was on the team in '05 when Kirby was an assistant there, and so he knows Mary Beth from college, and uh, and she happened to mention that Kirby cried when the Braves won the World Series. <laughs> and Russ Tanner goes, are you saying that Kirby cries? And, and, and she said, well, I mean, not often. And he, she, he said, when was the last time you saw Kirby cry? And she oh, said, well, he cried on Tuesday when he saw her Jordan Davis through the narration of the Charleston Southern hype video. <laughs> <laughs> so apparently Kirby's a frequent crier. I, I was about to say. His, his profanity-laced tirade at halftime <laughs> of the Florida game. I was way more shocked to hear Kirby cries than I was to hear he uses bad words. Yeah, yeah, I would not have guessed that Kirby's a crier. <laughs> I wouldn't have guessed his wife would have sold him out on the radio either. I but. know. Yeah, you know he said something about <laughs> something to her after that. It was pretty funny. <laughs> that is really funny. The only time I can imagine Kirby crying is if he's so enraged that water is just somehow coming out of his, <laughs> his tear ducts. We may see him cry after he beats Nick Saban. Yeah, yeah, this would be the time. This, I mean, this would be the time. No, I just uh, I wanted to reiterate when we got on here that even if we win the national championship, I'm sure whoever we play in Indy or whatever, that'll be a big night that'll be fun and everything. Beating Alabama is going to be like Theron Sapp crossing the goal line. It's going to be <laughs> like Tarkin to Bill Heron in 59. It's going to be like the flea flicker. We're going to have DVDs sold about Saturday. Mm-hmm. And I'll be in line to buy one. Oh, so, ab- ab- absolutely. I can't wait to get my hands on it. I hate getting hit, and I would put pads on to play in this football game. So. Oh, man, I I would do anything I possibly could to get this team across the finish line. I, I wouldn't make it very long. but No, me neither. But, uh, yeah, this this is going to be like the one you uh, – Who I don't think it was you. It wasn't you. It was somebody I went to Georgia, Florida with. I can't remember. Um. I think it was, and I think it was Ashley. I can't remember, but somebody I was in Georgia, Florida with said that that was their favorite Georgia game, the one where they danced in the end zone, mm-hmm. or Georgia favorite favorite cocktail party game. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it's necessarily my favorite cocktail party game, but uh, it's probably a lot of people's favorite cocktail party <laughs> game when we beat Urban Meyer and Tim Tebow. That's what oh, yeah. that's what beating Nick Saban in Atlanta is going to be like. So exactly, it's about it's about getting the white whale, you're right. And this is, I mean, this is it. This is the white whale. Uh, yeah, they. Uh, I forgot to mention we were talking about full uh, the O and eight against Fulmer. You remember the, the when we finally beat Fulmer, we tore the hedges down in the goalposts yeah. in Stanford Stadium. Yes, so, yes, we did. <laughs> we, we ripped our own field to shreds after beating we, Fulmer in Tennessee. So there's a lot of angst right now to end this thing against Bama. There is. Absolutely. If we were at home, I think the goalposts would go down for the second time, and we'd gladly pay that fine. Oh yeah, I I would have no doubt in my mind those goalposts would be gone. <laughs> The first number one ranked team ever to tear down their own goalposts. Yeah, to ever rush the field and tear down their own equipment. <laughs> Except maybe uh, maybe Auburn would do such a thing, but I don't know. Who. <laughs> All right, well, we got about 15, 20 minutes left. You uh, you want to talk about the coaching coaching moves, the carousels, been spinning like crazy the last couple of days. Yeah, yeah, just, just real quick, because um, then I do want to – to end on the uh, college football playoff rankings and who we think is going to be the top four. We'll go, we'll go there first while we've been talking about the game. Okay, all right. I think it's pretty easy. 
I, I think it's easy too. I'm not anticipating any madness. Um, I'll give you my top four first, and then I'll let you go. All right, um, go in order. Okay, I, I have Georgia at one, obviously. If we win, obviously there's no debate. I mean, we stay at number one. Um, I've got Michigan taking care of Iowa on Saturday, so Michigan's going to stay at number two in my book. Um, Alabama obviously drops out. They're not going to be three or four. Um, I've got Oklahoma State beating Baylor and going up to number three and Cincinnati staying at number four and beating Houston. Uh, I have the same four. I think Cincinnati's a better football team than Oklahoma State, but I think you're right. I think they'll rank them Cincinnati fourth. Yeah. Well, the reason- their schedule's pretty putrid. Yeah, and the main reason I say that is because basically the, the committee has proved it throughout the rankings that they're willing to jump people or jump teams over Cincinnati when they have a big win. And they're going <laughs> to – I mean, the whole year. I mean, they've been at four, or, you know, or less than four, uh, you know, a few weeks. So I think they're going to put a lot of weight on Oklahoma State. You know, assuming o- Oklahoma State wins that game. I mean, Baylor's not a pushover. Um, their quarterback is hurt, so we don't know if Baylor's going to be at full strength. Um, but I think if Oklahoma State gets another top 10 win. You know, <laughs> and Dave Aranda's phone's probably ringing a lot this week. Yeah, it, it really is. <laughs> so there, there's a lot of things going on with Baylor right now to where I'm not sure they're, they're ready to win this game. Um, Oklahoma State got their white whale victory last week over OU. <laughs> yeah, Oklahoma they did. Has, yeah, so um, I, don't, I don't foresee a letdown. I think Oklahoma State's better than Or as Baylor. I texted you at midnight, it's Bedlam, baby. It's, it's Bedlam, yeah. <laughs> I saw it the next morning. I, 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 I couldn't resist. That takes yeah. about five people. I love Bedlam. I like it better than basketball, but still. Yeah, it is a lot, of, a lot of fun, and it's going to be sad when it goes away, too. I don't think it'll really go away. <laughs> I think they're just pouting right now. <laughs> so, yeah, basically going back to my point, I think they've proven the committee that they're willing to jump teams over Cincinnati based on Cincinnati's schedule. So I think if Oklahoma State takes care of business against Baylor, that they'll jump them to number three. But I agree with you. I like Cincinnati more than Oklahoma State as a complete team. Well, let's say this. If the committee thinks that George is the head and shoulders number one, do uh, you think that they would they would schedule a Georgia-Cincinnati rematch in the semis if they think Cincinnati's actually better than Oklahoma State? I mean, that would that'd be kind of hurting Georgia. It, yeah, it would be. And that's a, that's a good point. Something I also was thinking about is – they're going to have to – they may make an exception for this vote, knowing that. But, I mean, to do that, they're going to have to go against everything they've done the past couple of weeks. So, I think if they, if they don't move Oklahoma State above Cincinnati, I think they're going to have some questions that they have to answer. Um, I don't think anyone necessarily will give them that hard of a time because I'm not sure anyone else had Oklahoma State in their top four at the end of the year. Yeah. Um, but, no, I agree with you completely that I think it would be a disservice to Georgia – to have Cincinnati stay at number four. Um, if they're going to move up a week, this would be the week to move them up after Bama loses. Um, if you actually think Cincinnati is a better team from top to bottom, which I, I would agree that they are. So the most, the most, uh, uh, the, the outcome that's the most possible of shaking things up is Bama beating Georgia. So we both agree Bama would be the one if they beat Georgia. Yeah, I think Bama slides up to number one. So who gets knocked out? That's what I don't know the answer to. Yeah, that's – I mean, that's the doomsday scenario. I, I, I have Bama at number one in that scenario. Michigan two. I have Michigan two, and I have Georgia at three. Georgia three, I think that's right, too. So does Cincinnati then, get it for being undefeated, or do they – I think Cincinnati's still good. I, 
I, I think in that scenario, they would leave Cincinnati in, yeah. which, which doesn't make any sense because in my first scenario, I have Oklahoma State right. jumping them with the victory. So um, it, it's going to be weird. It's going to be weird if Alabama beats Georgia because <laughs> I, I agree with you. I think Cincinnati stays in at number four, regardless. I mean, if they win, obviously, but um, unless Cincinnati just has a really bad game and they squeak by and have to have a goal line stand like they had against, um, what was it? Tulsa. Was it two, Tulsa? Yeah, I was going to say Tulane, but it was Tulsa. Um, I think Cincinnati's going to have to play pretty bad um, to not get into the to the playoff. Houston's eleven and one, are they? They are. They uh, eleven eleven in a row. Actually, they lost their opener to uh, Texas Tech. Yeah, I think if I think if Cincinnati finishes off Houston and they go undefeated, they'll deserve to be in. I wouldn't put anybody above them. Yeah, I, I mean, at this point, I, I don't see how you can hold them out. I mean, if they finish the deal and go thirteen and zero. I mean, Georgia will be 13-0 if we do it, and so will Cincinnati, and that's it. The real question to me is going to be if two of those teams lose and it but and it comes down to a two-loss Bama or a one-loss Notre Dame, yeah, and that's, I don't know who gets in there. That's going to be my uh, second doomsday scenario question for you. If, if Bama loses, if Michigan loses, you know, maybe Oklahoma State, you know, lays an egg and they lose. And I they mean, could. what ha- yeah, I mean, Oklahoma State hasn't been in this situation before. Um, Not so, often, anyway. So, I mean, at that point, I mean, it's hard not to – I don't know. I don't know if Notre Dame gets in in that situation. The, the problem with putting Bama in is you're going to make Georgia have to rematch with them, and Georgia presumably would have just beaten them. Yeah. Potentially it, bad. Yeah. And who wants to see that again if it is a bad game? I or if it, yeah, it, I, don't, I don't think anybody's going to want to see that again. But also, you're, it's going to be hard putting Notre Dame in when they don't even have a coach right now. So, yeah. Which it, it, we can segue into the other situation. But We, we I mean, can. We Cal, can. Cal Hamilton's out. I mean, they. I don't know. I, if you look at how they played the last four weeks against some bad teams, yeah, they merit getting in. But then the beginning of the year, they had like a three-point game against, was it Toledo or somebody? Toledo, I think, yep. Yeah, they went to overtime with Florida State. They went five and seven. Mm-hmm. I mean, Mackenzie Milton didn't look great against anybody else this year, but he did against Notre Dame. He did. So, he I does. know that was a long time ago, and you're looking at what they are now, but I like the body of work argument way more than I like what they the four best teams on the field. Because I saw Todd McShay say the other day, it's crazy to put Cincinnati in over Ohio State better than baseball. Who's better? Because Ohio State's got better recruits and everything. Yeah, I agree. Ohio State's roster is better. Mm-hmm. Their roster will be better every year for the next 100 years in Cincinnati, but they don't merit <laughs> getting in like Cincinnati does. Yeah, I mean, you just you can't put a two-loss team that's not a conference champion over Cincinnati who's going to go, if they go 13-0 and win their conference championship. No. I mean, there's a reason Cincinnati was ranked so high in the preseason to begin with, is people believe that they were a really good team, which they are. I mean, they weren't that close to beating us in the bowl game last year. I mean, granted, they, I mean, they should have. They had us beat. Yeah, I mean, they did. And you know, say what you want to say about those bowl games; they don't mean anything. I mean, they still we played the well. Play- yeah, we did. <laughs> we did. We we played well. They played well. It wasn't one of those games where we just mentally took off, or we were just no. somewhere else. No, not even I when mean- we were getting beat, were we mentally taking off? Yeah, so I mean, I don't, I'm, I'm not buying that for a second. Cincinnati proved that they're they're a top ten team, and I think now they're proving they're a top four team, and they're you know they should get into the playoff. Um, but yeah, it, it's going to be interesting if some of these teams slip up. I mean, if a if a two loss Alabama team gets over Notre Dame, 
I mean, it's going to be the eye test at that point. I mean, how did how did Alabama look against us? I mean, we've been taking taking bodies out left and right by 30, 40 points right. a game this year. You know, if Alabama loses, you know, on a last second field goal like they lost against A and M, they'll get in. Yeah, I mean, why would you deny them if you know Michigan, you know, falters? If Oklahoma State falters, I mean. Yeah, I, I don't see why not, even though, you know, you're going to have the rematch, like you just said, against us. I think, yeah, I think Alabama slates in where if they get blown out, they don't get in over Notre Dame. If they if they don't get blown out, they would. But, yeah. uh, but I also think that if they – if Oklahoma State and Mich- or Michigan and Cincinnati all win, then there's no scenario Bama – and if Bama loses, they're out regardless. Yeah. Yeah, the I only mean, way they get in is if, if there's total chaos. Yeah, it's pretty cut and dry, you know, for Alabama. I mean, I I like Michigan to win pretty easily. I like Cincinnati to win pretty easily. I think Oklahoma State could go either way. It just depends on, you know, the coaching situation with Aranda, if Bohannon's back and healthy for, for Baylor. Um, but, yeah, I like a lot of chalk this week. So, I think Bama knows that they lose. They're in a lot of trouble. All right, real quick, coaching situation. You're talking about Aranda. Luke Fickle's getting a lot of phone calls, too. Yeah. So they're going to yeah, be very he, distracting. And he's going to have likely have a choice to make of whether he wants to leave his playoff-bound football team or not. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, <laughs> it, it's a tough call. In, in my in my heart of hearts, I think Fickle will leave. Um, I, I think You can't turn down Notre Dame, can you? you? You can't turn down Notre Dame. You absolutely not cannot turn down. Not if you're a Catholic. No. <laughs> and he is. He is. He is. I mean, it's just it, – it's a dream job for so many guys. I mean, I don't think you could talk to Luke Fickle and think that he was going to stay at Cincinnati his entire career. I don't think that was, you know, the goal. Obviously, the goal is probably to get back to Ohio State at some point. <laughs> yeah, that's probably the goal. <laughs> but, I mean, that's Notre Dame – That's Freeman's goal. Yeah. <laughs> But, but, yeah, I mean, I, I think it's only a matter – I mean, maybe they've already offered it to him. Who knows? I mean, maybe he's not – maybe he's already told them that we're not going to announce it until after, you know, this run is over. Um, but you can't – you can't. The signing day is December 15th now. It's not February. Yeah, it, it, it's tough. You have to have it's, a coach in place. Yeah, it is really tough for recruiting. And, you know, and that's why all this is done so early now. I mean, right. I mean, you said it right there. So, it's really tough, but – Man, can you imagine Luke Fickle announcing tomorrow that he's going to Notre Dame, you know, before the Houston game, knowing that well, if they win, they're in the top four? Yeah, that's not happening. They're going to wait till this game is played. But I don't know that Luke Fickle is going to be accompanying them to a bowl game. Yeah. I know he wants to. I know he'll – I mean, he'll probably – he might take the Notre Dame job and say he's staying in Cincinnati with the team. Uh, okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's – that, I don't know – I don't know that Jack Swarbrick's going to agree to that with signing days coming up, and I don't know how he can split duties. Yeah, I, I don't think he's got to prepare a team. I don't think Jack's going to agree to it too, and that's what's going to make the situation so hard. Is that I think Luke is going to have to leave the team, going against the number one team in the country in the mm. college football playoff, which is it is mind blowing. But you know, it is what it is. You know, in today's you know world of college football. Um, but, no, I agree with you completely. I think Luke Fickle is is the guy. I think Notre Dame is, you know, closing in on him. Um, I think it would be kind of <laughs> – it would be silly to think that they haven't had conversations already about it. 
Well, people think Marcus Freeman's a star, too. I mean, you know, he doesn't have the head coaching experience. That's kind of rare for Notre Dame. But if you want to keep the recruiting class intact, I think that's mm-hmm. kind of overrated. But that's uh, often the thought process. Yeah. Yeah, I think they're gonna. I think they're gonna shoot for the big name, knowing that Kelly got him to a spot. You know, when Kelly came on board, obviously Notre Dame was kind of in shambles. I mean, yeah, I agree. So, I mean, I think they want to keep the the momentum going and let these recruits know that hey, you know, this we're not taking a step back from Brian Kelly. You know, we're bringing Fickle in here. We're going to keep the train going, and you know, we're going to keep Notre Dame, you know, in the top five, um, you know, in the playoff picture for years to come. I think that's the move. That's how you sell it to the recruits. I was, uh, and I think I think Brian Kelly maxed out Notre Dame, but I was stunned he left for that job. Not that he left, but I was stunned that he took the LSU job. Yeah, I think everybody is. I mean, I still, I, I don't understand it. I get that he was ready for a new, a new challenge. And I mean, when you give you know over a decade of your life to a university, and you bring them back from you know, the ashes, you know, of what they used to be. Um, I get it. You want to start somewhere else and, you know, maybe actually fulfill that national championship want of yours. I guess he actually never thought that he was going to get it at Notre Dame based on the history. Um, but I'm not sure. I'm not sure LSU. <laughs> I, I, I don't know. I don't know if that was the right move for him. I mean, obviously you can't doubt someone's move or their decision making, but I was shocked too. Nick Saban's kind of an arrogant Yankee, but he can blend in. I don't. Brian Kelly doesn't blend in too well down here. No, he he really doesn't. It's going to be some culture shock for him. He didn't even leave like... Notre Dame very smoothly. No, he didn't. <laughs> he just <laughs> leave Cincinnati smoothly the last time. No, so it's he don't I, care I, what anybody thinks about him. That don't play at LSU. Yeah, it, it really doesn't. I mean, he will get eaten alive. He really will. So I'm not uh, seeing gonna... it working, honestly. He's got a lot of pressure on him. I mean, obviously, he knew this going into it. Uh, this is going to be a completely different dynamic going from Notre Dame to LSU. So, um, yeah, hopefully, he's ready for it because, man, it's going to be tough. Expectations are irrational when you figure they fired Orgeron two years after 15-0 and 0 and maybe the greatest team ever. I, I, and I'm glad you said it because right there is – that's all the evidence you need. I mean, that was one of the greatest SEC teams of all time. One of the greatest teams of all time. Ever, yeah, ever. And Orgeron is gone. <laughs> now, it was a brutal two years, but, I mean, he was a he was a home state guy. Uh, I mean, a lovable, uh, you know, weirdo. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> could I yeah. Use I, mean, that? I could say that about Les Miles, too, for that matter. Yeah, yeah, sure. <laughs> but, I mean – what, no matter what you thought about either one of their coaching ability, they got results. And Brian Kelly's going to have to have those same level of results, and his personality is not one that's going to play real well down there at all. No, it's really not. So, I mean, if he has a if he has a rough first two years, I mean, you're right. This could end terribly for him. <laughs> Nobody will feel bad for him. I guarantee you that. No, there's there's no doubt about it. Um, so yeah, I mean that that was interesting to say the least. Um, we both agree on Luke Fickle and where he's probably going to go. Um, Dan I, Mullen. I agree he should, but nobody uh, nobody ever hires who I think they should, and no recruit ever goes where I think they should. No free agent <laughs> does either. No. So what no, seems definitely. logical is never what happens. No. <laughs> I, I think this it, one. It, it was logical for USC to pursue Lincoln Riley. Actually, mm-hmm. if I'm Lincoln Riley, now after all this time I complained about Kevin Durant going to the Bay. I should not <laughs> complain about Lincoln Riley abandoning the people of Oklahoma. 
wish to go to California, <laughs> but if I was Lincoln Riley, I too would have gone to USC. Oh yeah, there's there's no doubt about it. I mean, it, it, I mean, how do you even like compare the two? <laughs> I loved it. I loved the day. I loved the night before when he said he was not going to be the head coach at LSU. <laughs> that was like, fantastic. It really was. It's like hell no, I'm not staying in the Midwest or the South. I'm going out to Cali. <laughs> He lied in a whole different kind of way. It was fantastic. He really did. He just slapped Oklahoma across the face multiple times on his way out. Yeah, they're, they're going to hate him for a long time. Yeah, but, and I mean, whatever. For I mean, that's fine. I mean. <laughs> is it? But after Bob Stoops stepped aside for him, is, is it fine? But, you know. No, no, no. no. I, I, mean, I mean, it's fine for the, you know, for the fan base to absolutely just despise him. Oh, oh okay. No, I didn't mean it was fine that he left the way he did. I mean, that's just – that's terrible. <laughs> I'm going I'm to tell you, though, what I, I've been telling other people around here, and I probably have told you, too. Each year, he's been inc- – Oklahoma got incrementally worse than he was the head coach. You know, they start out – they were mm-hmm. overtime, double OT from getting to the championship game. They lose to Georgia. The next year, they played a sort of close game with Alabama in the Orange Bowl, but, mm-hmm. you know, not real close. The next year, LSU had 17 passes and a half against them in the semifinal game. <laughs> the next year, they won the conference but didn't get in the playoff. And this year, they didn't even win the conference and didn't get in the playoff. So, is USC really getting a savior, or is he getting a guy who inherited a giant that Bob Stoops created at Oklahoma and was slowly tearing it apart? I'm not convinced yet that that wasn't what was going on there. I'm not convinced either, but the fact is that USC is going to look at him like a savior, and I don't think he minds that at all. That's true. That's true. I'm all for the move he made. I, you know, I'm all for USC going to getting him because that was a good get for them, given that they've had some other people that I wouldn't say were good gets in the last decade. Yeah, it's been a rough decade for the Trojans. That's I'm for gonna sure. Name, I'm gonna name one of them right now out loud. Steve Sarkeesian. Steve Sarkeesian. Please stop giving Steve Sarkeesian jobs. <laughs> Thank you for anyone, any any AD who might be listening to this. I, I mean, it's a all, very all zero of them. Please stop it, it, hiring Steve Sarkeesian. Yeah, it really is a simple and clear PSA that everybody should adhere to. <laughs> I didn't like Tom Herman as much of a human being, but he's a way better coach than Steve Sarkeesian. He, he is, and that's saying something. Another Nick Saban creation. All yeah. right, and, and then I'll la- we'll end it on this. Uh, your wife's alma mater, I actually like that hire. I think uh, Billy Napier's going to win in Florida. I, I think he is too. I mean, the fan base around here is pumped, to say the least. I'm surprised they've uh, heard of him. <laughs> I, I, I think they all just mad they didn't get a big name. I actually think he's going to be hugely successful. Yeah, I think he is too. I, well, I think I think a lot of people may have just gone gone through YouTube and gone through some videos of <laughs> of, of what he does. They found they found out that he coached five years with Dabo and five with Saban. Now they now they're sold. Yeah, n- now they've seen exactly where he's been, yeah. the success, his upward tra- trajectory, and now what he's done on his own. And knowing that he's gonna, you know, bring that to, to to the swamp, I think is well, well respected and well liked. So it's hard to keep a program like Louisiana eleven wins or so three years in a row. You can do it once, but it's hard to do it three straight times. Yeah, it, it really is. I mean, so that goes to show you that you know he he's willing to do the work, you know, to you know get these new classes in, get them up to speed, and get them ready to compete, you know, for conference titles. So. Just imagine what he's going to do with, you know, recruits coming into Florida. Yeah, I, I think that's going to be a good rivalry between Georgia and Florida for years. I'm, I'm glad they got a uh, glad they got a coach that's going to make it competitive again. Yeah, it's been a, it's been a drubbing lately. 
<laughs> had to throw that one in there. Yeah, exactly. I don't feel I don't, bad for Dan Mullen either. I, I don't either. I don't either. And I, I'm happy for Hillary. I'm not happy for, uh, you know, for Gainesville and, and for the swamp and the good things that are probably to come. But, um, yeah, it, it was a needed, necessary move. I mean, Mullen had rubbed so many people the wrong way um, this year that, you know, the writing was on the wall with that last um, that last choke job, you might say. Uh, last thing before we go, you don't live up here anymore, but I want to give a shout-out to our one listener, Chris Bland. His high, school, his high school, Collins Hill, is romping to a state championship right now. Are they really? First one ever in 7A. And they're uh, – they went down to Lowndes, and Lowndes' quarterback's going to Miami. Curry Brown, he's serious. He's, like, top ten in the country. They went down and beat him 48-6 to six or something the other night. Ooh. And uh, they're playing in the state semis this week. But what I'm getting at, Travis Hunter. I don't know if you've heard of this guy. Travis no. Hunter is the best high school football receiver I have ever seen in the state of Georgia. Okay. I won't say ever because I saw A.J. Green a few times on the computer when he was in South Carolina. I'm not sure he's as good as A.J. Green. I was going to say, there's one name that I'm going to challenge you on, just but you, you said it, so. Yeah, well, I'm talking about in Georgia. I have, I have never seen a wide receiver like Travis Hunter. You look at it, go, go on uh, 247 Sports and see what he's rated. He's like okay. out of a scale of 1 to 100, he's 99.9. <laughs> he's the number really? one ranked prospect in the entire country. Anyway, he plays wide receiver for uh, Collins Hill, and he's been committed to Florida State for like two years. Oh, I heard he has some. His uncle has some ties in the FSU athletic department or something. Mm-hmm. But everybody thinks he's going to flip somewhere else because of the state that Florida State football's in. Mm-hmm. Um, he's. I just know that he's been spending many weekends in Athens this fall. Okay. And if we don't get him, it's fine. If he wants to go to Florida State, he's going to be, um, you know, superstar down there if they can find anybody to get him the ball. <laughs> but if Kirby lands him. We're talking the greatest recruiting class in the history of college football <laughs> because he's already got um, uh, I think we have like eight or nine top 100 players with like three or four more that are that are that it says on the 247 sports and rivals are like a hundred percent lean to Georgia. Yeah, but we got some more. We've got some more that have yet to announce. Where we're talking a dozen to fifteen top 100 players, but That's Travis Hunter is the number one ranked player in the country. He just came back from uh, hurting his uh, ankle, his knee, or something earlier in the season. He missed the last five games of the regular season, but he came back for the playoffs. And uh, anyway, Chris, give give a shout out to Chris. He knows what I'm talking about. Sam Horn, right. the quarterback there, is going to Missouri, and uh, Travis Hunter. Like I said, it's like a one man team. He's actually, I'll tell you this: he's the best high school receiver I've ever seen. He's projected to play corner in college. Because really? he might be the best corner in the history of the state of Georgia. <laughs> so I still don't believe it yet, having seen him play receiver, that they're actually not going to have the ball in his hands all the time, that they would actually move him. Yeah, I was going to say, if he's as good as you're building him up to be, he's absolutely a wide receiver in college. because well, well, he has. His, to... They played the state championship game last year, so they played 15 games. Look at his season stats. I think he might have gone over 2,000. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> It was he was at like in the if he didn't he was at like nineteen hundred or something but I think he broke the state record last year and went over two thousand playing in seven A in Georgia. <laughs> I mean he's ludicrous. Their quarterback's good too. He's gonna be good at Missouri, but he's good largely because Travis Hunter's their wide receiver. Makes but sense. But anyway, that's that's just uh, I wanted to mention Collins Hill because they might get their first title, and the fact that uh, Kirby is the one coach who hasn't 
conceded yet that this guy's going to Florida State. So <laughs> if we beat Alabama, I imagine he's going to be at the game. And uh, the the future's bright at Georgia, regardless of what happens Saturday. But yeah, absolutely. Well, now you got me excited about this kid. Uh, he's something to see. I've seen him on TV. I hadn't seen him in person, but I'll uh, I'll give you a scouting report next week if they play for the championship. So they'll be on television. All right, sounds Actually, good. Actually, I think I'll... they're on TV tomorrow night too. They play the semis on uh, GPB, I think. Okay. All right. I'll talk to uh, I'll talk to Chris Bland about him too. See what he can yeah, tell me. Yeah. Well, Chris is the one who told me about him a couple of years ago, I think. But oh, okay. He's uh he's legit. Anyway, the reason I say this is uh they put out the new recruiting rankings about two weeks ago. He bumped up to the number one spot. He'd been number two for two years, <laughs> but now he's up to almost a perfect rating, <laughs> which That's is cool. like Davion Clowney territory. Yeah, I was about to say, that's that's wild. Yeah. All right. Well, that was fun. We'll talk again. Uh, let's do it next week since we'll have to recap whatever happened Saturday. Oh, yeah, for sure. All right. Talk to you later. All right. Have a good one, man.